Well, for those of you who have not been with us over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called The Oasis. I just don't love, I just don't love it because it's a great word. I love it because the graphics are amazing. It makes my hair pop. I don't know. The gray hair pop. No. I tell you, it has been so refreshing to me. And I want you to turn to Isaiah 35. So let me give context to those of you that are watching online or church family watching online. Let me give you context. And those of you here for the first time, what this is about. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is the most messianic prophetic book where Isaiah is telling Israel, you're looking to national patriotism for Messiah to come to restore you as a nation and make you be under the rule of Rome and all this stuff and all these ruling nations that have you right now. And the, the church, the early church was the same way about it, that somehow Messiah is going to come and it's going to restore national patriotism. Your nation's going to be back. But he was talking about you're spiritually lost and in despair and judgment's coming on you because you're sin. But there's going to come one in the wasteland, in the desert, and his name is Jesus. It's the Messiah that's coming, and he's going to turn your wasteland into this place that blooms with flowers. The water's going to flow. It's going to be an oasis for you. Judgment is coming, but there's going to be a, in that desert, there's going to be an oasis. His name is Jesus Christ. And then we, we talked about that the, the desert's going to start being glad. It's going to rejoice. How many know we found out that they're talking forward about Jesus? Remember that? They're talking forward about Jesus. But we're looking back to what Jesus has already done. But we're going to talk about what they were seeing and what we have. So he says, Jesus is going to be your praise. There's going to be worship. There's going to be rejoicing in that land. And then yes, last week we talked about he's going to strengthen the tired hands. Remember that? He's going to strengthen the tired hands, the weak knees. That means that now your tired hands, you're tired of laboring in the struggle of what you're going through in life. And, and the weak hands, you've just given up and you're not moving forward. But he says, say to the fearful, be strong, don't fear, because he's coming to destroy your enemy. This is what Jesus did. How many know on the cross, Jesus, we're looking back, how many know he destroyed our enemy and he takes our weak hands and he takes our weak knees and he makes us strong to carry on for the purpose of God in our life. Well, that, that was, he was our peace. So today what I'm going to talk about is something, what else he said Jesus would be and what we can have today. So let's go to Isaiah 35 and verse five. Ready? Here he goes. Real short. He says, and when he comes, this is speaking of Messiah, Jesus, he's looking forward. When he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. He's saying, here's what Jesus is going to be. Here's what he's going to be. He said, he is going to be your physician, your healer. How many believe he was looking, he says, by his stripes you are healed. But first Peter looks back and he says, by his stripes you were healed. He's looking forward and we're looking back that Jesus Christ is our great physician. How many believe the healer, Jesus Christ, is in the house? He's in the house. By his spirit he is in this house. You know, the reason I want to talk about healing is I think so many believers just go past it and don't expect it, don't want to pray for it, don't want to believe for it. 
And, uh, you know, friends, let me just tell you something. How many of you know, people say, you know, pastor, some people get healed, some people don't get healed, da 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 Let me just tell you as a Jesus Christ follower, can I, just, can I just size it up for you right now? You've already won. You've already won. That's, 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 that's kind of a weak amen, but I've, we've already won. All right? You know, all, listen, everything in your body is groaning to be put, to put on that immortal body that Jesus Christ has prepared for you. Did you know that? You know, I, it's not in your notes, but I was just looking at this before I got up here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. I want you to hear the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave these earthly bodies, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies as we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Can I tell you something? Your body is groaning. You got up this morning, not only did your body groan, but you were groaning. Why did I ever go out for football when I was 15? And now you're 50 and you can feel your body groaning. You know what your body's saying to you? Your body's saying to you, you're longing for you to be the way God intended you to be, and he's given that to you as a believer. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are toast. I'm serious. I got no words to mince here this morning. You won't play around with Jesus. You won't play around with God. You don't want to say, well, I'm not convinced he's the Savior, Lord. I'm telling you, you're toast if you don't follow Jesus Christ. I, I'm sorry if that's not politically correct. I don't care if it's not kind or anything. I'll tell you, it is the truth. It is the truth. And really, honestly, it is kind to tell someone the truth instead of lie to them. I'm telling you, you need to get right with God. You quit playing these games and sell out to Jesus because I'm telling you, there's going to come a day that there are going to be those who are going to receive what God intended from the very beginning and Satan corrupted by sin. And he says, for the believer, you have already won and don't you ever forget it. So when you woke up this morning, when that zit popped on your forehead and you go, oh no, I got to face the entire youth group with this thing stuck on my nose. Let me tell you what your body's doing. Your body is groaning. It's groaning, and we do everything to fix it. Let me tell you, friends, we've already won this thing. Before we go anywhere else, let me just tell you, you've already won this thing, all right? Let me just settle that for you, first of all. But some believers come to the place where they don't want to believe. They want to ask. Now, I only do it because if Jesus told us to, how many believe we ought to? If Jesus did those things, how many believe we ought to do those things? If Isaiah says, by his stripes you are healed, and Peter says, by his stripes you were healed, how many believe, friends, then we ought to believe and ask God in this earth, no matter how we know how everything turns out for us outside of the rapture and God taking us all away and the great taking away of the church, how many below we are supposed to do what Jesus told us we're supposed to do, and that's to lay hands on the sick and say, let them recover in Jesus' name. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the great physician, Jesus Christ, who's moving through this room, and he could go right to you right now, ma'am, up in that, in that balcony right now, and touch your body in this one moment. He could go right into your home and touch you right in the moment. He could go straight to you, and you can sense the touch of God. He told us to believe, and we're going to believe at the end of the service, and we're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray for you. So, so we're going to base it all on Jesus. How many believe Jesus is a good one to base it on? Amen? So he said he would come to do this. 
He would come and bring joy back to you. And he said he would bring healing to you. So I want to go to Mark chapter 5 because it's a very profound event in the life of Jesus where here Jesus, Mark chapter 5, is really a menu of the miraculous. And you just go home and read it after service and just see if I'm telling you the truth. But I want you to see what Jesus did. He, he said he would come and he would do this. He would demonstrate the glory of God in humanity, in time, to show who he was. So the first thing he encounters is he encounters this man filled with demons. In fact, his name was Legion. He had thousands of demons within him. No one could control him. Chains could not hold him down. He was cutting himself and bleeding. And the Bible says the first thing Jesus did was he cast the demon out of that man. How many you believe Jesus has given us authority to cast out unclean spirits today? He's given you the authority to do that. That's the reason I don't fear demonic spirits. I just do not because I'm not the one driving them out. He already gave us authority and dominion to drive out unclean spirits. He cast out a demon. Same chapter, second thing happens. He encounters this woman with the terrible, incurable disease. She is bleeding so bad and the flow of blood is so bad that it is actually killing her and no one can cure it. And Jesus says, somebody just touched me. And she gets healed in that same chapter. Heals this woman of disease. Then all of a sudden he runs to Mamma Jairus. And Jairus' little girl has died. She's already died. The beat has left her heart. The breath has left her lungs. Everybody's in the place of giving up. And Jesus walks into that little girl. He puts a beat back in her heart. He puts breath back in her lungs. And he brings this girl back to life. So I want to show you something that Jesus did. When Isaiah said, this is what he's coming to do, I want you to know that's what he did. And it proves me one thing, is that Jesus has all dominion and authority, number one, over demons, number two, over all manners of diseases, and he has power and victory over everything that has death. And how many know if Jesus had it then, he still is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he has not changed his authority or his dominion of who he is. But as I was putting together the series, I had no idea it would land on this particular Sunday. But I want to talk about the second miracle in Mark chapter 5, because it's very interesting to, this, to me that he did destroy demons he did come against death and destroyed death, and he came against disease. And anything Jesus is against, I'm against. And anything he's for, how many know we're all for it? Amen. But I want to focus on this sick, weak, shy, dying woman who ended up having this steely determination, and she pressed through the crowd almost crawling, and she touched the hem of Christ's garment, and she was made whole. Physically, she was healed. And I know the thing is, is that when we see miracles, we always make the miracle about the miracle. This is not just about a miracle of physical healing, but Jesus is always pointing to something beyond what is happening in the natural realm. What he is pressing is, he said, I'm not just the physical healer. It's speaking to a greater truth that I am the one that gives you salvation and eternal life through me, spiritual victory. I'm the one that gives, could you imagine the mental anguish that this woman was going through? Could you imagine the emotional ups and downs that this lady, he says all of those things, salvation, mental wholeness, emotional wholeness, and physical wholeness, he said, that's what I came to do. 
But he's pointing to something even deeper. But how did this come about? So I want you to look at something with me. I want to show you something just real quick. Then we're going to pray for folks today in just a moment. But I want you to see the first thing of why I believe this woman received from the Lord. And why any person in this room who say, Jesus, this is just where I am. Whether it's emotionally, whether it's mentally, whether it's spiritually, whether it's physically. Here's what has to happen. There has to be a desperation. A total desperation that he is the only answer, period. A desperation. She became desperate. So let me just show you real quick. First of all, the Bible said she was diseased. Go with me to Mark chapter 5, verse 25, and I wanted you to see this. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Could you imagine hemorrhaging for 365 days out of the year, 24-7? Could you imagine what this woman felt like? Only a woman could imagine the weakness and the physical drain that this lady had, and it never ceased. It kept going from her, continually loss of blood all the time, eventually until it would lead to her death. Now, friends, remember, it's not just about the physical malady. It's about something that points to something else in our lives. Because what Jesus is saying is this is exactly what sin has done to humanity. This is what it was doing to you and it was doing to me. It weakens who you are. It wears you down and it breaks down your immunity to temptation until finally Satan, when he is finished, wants to destroy not just the body, but the soul of mankind. That's what he's pointing to something greater. This is what sin will always do to your life. And if you want to mess around with sin and you want to play around with sin as a Christian or you, 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 you say, I don't know about this Jesus thing, I will tell you and I will promise you that sin is like a disease that will weaken you and tear you down, leave you a sleepless night. It'll give you absolutely no hope. And I will tell you when it is finished, it wants to destroy you for eternity. And Jesus saying, look at the deeper reality of what's happening here. Then you find this lady was absolutely destitute. She became so desperate because she was destitute. Now look at this. Look at this. Mark chapter 5 verse 26. I want you to read this. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors over the years, and she spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she got worse. Let that sink in just for a moment. She said she didn't get better. She said she got worse. I thank God for the medical community. I thank God for, for, for the way they minister to, to our bodies. I thank God for how they're trying to minister to my daughter, Sarah. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. This lady says that it got worse. She sought everything. There was absolutely nothing left. And she had just gotten worse from doctor to doctor. But the only thing they relieved her of was her cash. There are good people out there that wanted to, but he said this woman's issue was everything was gone. Here's what Jesus is saying. Don't just look at this and don't just fixate on one thing. He says, go deeper. He says, when it comes to Satan and sin, it is expensive. It costs you everything. So before you and I decide, let's just go and do what we want to do. Let's get a little enjoyment for us just because, you know, I know what God's word says. I, I, did God really mean that? You know, is that the, really what the Bible says? Maybe we ought to look into some other thing. Can I just tell you, it is so expensive. It will deplete you of every source of life you have. It never gets better with sin. It always gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. So I'm telling you, if you're into the sin game, I got a conclusion for you. I'm going to prophesy it's never going to get better for you. It's never going to get better for you. 
He says she went to everybody. And it wasn't that doctors were bad. He was just saying, I'm telling you that when you trust somebody outside of Jesus Christ, it will never be your hope. Only Jesus Christ is your hope. It gets worse. And look what it did. Left her destitute. Look at this. Oh my goodness. It just took, it took everything good. And then she was deserted. She was deserted. She was separated. Now, listen, this is what people don't understand sometimes is because of her disease, she was ostracized by society, by law. By law, she could not. Just think about it. She couldn't come to church with us today. We were living back then. She couldn't sit with you because of her disease. Did you realize that? That means, no, you can't come to church today. You can't. You've been tested and you can't come. You're outside the door, excluded from temple worship. She was considered unclean. So guess what? She couldn't be touched. Think about this. She was probably unable to marry. If she had a boyfriend, she couldn't have one anymore. If she was engaged, you can forget it because you can't even touch her. Maybe she was divorced. Maybe her husband left her because now the sexual gratification that he once enjoyed with his marriage, he can no longer get. How do you think this woman was tormented, destitute? Now your family can't be with you. They're not going to come to the hospital to visit you. They can't even get around you. Your church can't get around you. Your small group can't get around you. You're ostracized. You're separated from, and for friends, here's what Jesus is saying. When you see something in the scripture, he's saying, don't just make it about the miracle of getting better. He said, there's something far beyond it that I do for you. He said, see that sin separates you. From the loving Father God. It separates you from his purpose. It separates you from eternal life. It separates you from enjoyment of his purpose in your life. It totally separates. Don't let sin mess with your life. Sin is not worthy of you or your pastor. It separates you. But how many thank God there is a loving father and God says, I don't want you separated. This is the reason why I sent him. This is why Isaiah said, this is why he's coming. He's coming to restore the relationship between you and God. That you're no longer separated, no longer ostracized, but you're now in fellowship with the loving father who not only forgives you, but he's a God that can restore the broken things of your life, body, soul, mind, and spirit. How many thank God by his stripes we were restored. And so here she is, she's broke, she's destitute, she's been deprived, everything's gone, separated, but then you get desperate. It's when all your money is gone, it's when all they've done is they can do, when they say the marriage is over, that's when you start getting desperate. You see, some of us finally came to Jesus Christ because he made us desperate. But you see, it really wasn't about get fixing our marriage. It wasn't really about getting that job. It wasn't really about getting employment again. It wasn't really about getting healed. What it really was is Jesus was just trying to get you. This is why King David says, before I went afflicted, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I follow his words, his commands. Sometimes God has to use things to finally get my attention that all he really wants is just you. And she got desperate. Now look what it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 27. It says, when she heard. Can you say the word heard? Oh, no, no. That's a really important piece right there. It says, when she heard. Can you say heard? When she heard of Jesus. When she had heard of Jesus. She came in, pressed behind, and touched his garment. What happened was she became this desperate seeker of God. 
And desperate seekers of God realize that when everything is gone, everything is empty, and I'm here stuck, and I'm separated from God, you become a breakthrough person. And you find a way to push through the crowd and touch Jesus to get a hold of him. See, seekers, I've come to the conclusion, they do not take no for an answer. They will not give up. They will not let up. They will not shut up until they touch him. They don't care if they make a fool out of themselves. They'll humble themselves. They could care less what anybody thinks. They could care less what society thinks. They're going to press in and I'm going to take Jesus. I don't care if you call Jesus my crutch. I don't care if you think I'm wacko and crazy because I'm up here praising God. I want to let you know that you are not my hope. He is his, my only hope, and I will push through till I get a hold of him. i got to humble myself. That's the reason why some people aren't delivered from their addictions. That's why some of us are still hanging on to our addictions. Because we want to keep the closet conduct because we can't let anybody know after this many years that I've been in this church, i still got this hang-up I've not dealt with. That's why you can't get free. But desperate people don't care what people think anymore. They don't care. They're going to lay it all out before God. And they're going to find freedom. Seriously, I'm telling you. You could actually get free from some, some things in your life, vices in your life, if you would just speak it out and let God and his people walk you through it. Mm, I'm preaching better than you letting on. Because it takes embarrassing your flesh to get over it. And some people won't do that. It means crawling through a crowd, eating dust and eating dirt till you finally touch his garment. Seriously. Do you know if you could actually confess to Jesus and to a believer, you might just get free without all, and I'm not against counseling, but you could get out of all that, you could, get, you could bypass all that counseling if you would just confess your sin before God and someone you can have trust in to walk the journey, you could get free. Embarrass your flesh once, and I'll tell you, you'll get free. Oh, listen, brother, I'm telling you, if you're having problems with all impure thoughts in your mind, just keep racing, 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 racing. You just can't give victory over it. Can't you just get, embarrass your flesh, and you'll get over it. Seriously, just, I just promise you, if that just happens, I just, just if, and, and all of a sudden you, you see some, some woman, and, and all of a sudden your mind just goes crazy, I'll tell you, just embarrass your flesh, you'll get free. Just, I dare you to go up and just go, ma'am, uh, I'm sorry, but I, uh, my mind, I'm embarrassed of what my mind's thinking right now, and I, I, I just want you please to forgive me, ma'am, and, uh, and please, I'm so sorry I let these come into my mind. Uh, I've asked God to repent. I just want to, I just want to tell you right now, uh, I, I'm sorry. Should have never done that. Uh, now, you'll either get free or she'll lay a frying pan between your eyes for you thinking that. But one way or another, you will get free. You'll get free. And I think that's sometimes in the church, I think we play this game we play this game too much because we're afraid of what people think. Well, I'm going to tell you something. To those of you watching online, don't you dare be afraid of what anybody thinks because Grand Rapids First is going to be a safe place. We love you like you are, but we will not leave you the way you are because Jesus will not leave you that way. But when you begin to open it up before God and get desperate for God and humble yourself, you're going to see victory in your life. 
We're so, we're so worried about our Facebook posts and our Instagram and our image before people, before church and our family. We're so concerned about that that we can never get the freedom like this woman got the freedom. But at some point in your life, you get so desperate for God. And you know the reason why? Because James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It means he gives them the power. He gives them the stuff to overcome, the stuff to believe God for healing. How many of you thank God, friends? He has given us the freedom and the ability to be saved. Just get desperate. Everybody say desperate. And then she had a determination. Look at Mark chapter 5, verse 27. He says, she had heard. Say that word again with me, would you? She had heard about Jesus. She just heard. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought. Everybody say thought. She thought to herself, if I can. Do you see the process? She heard. It changed her thinking. And it changed her action. How weak do you think she was with, no, with her blood flowing from her body? How weak do you think? She probably couldn't hardly walk. She was crawling, pushing through the crowd, dust in her face. But she started hearing so much that all of a sudden it started changing her thinking until it started changing her actions that I'm going to touch his robe. And if I touch his robe, I will be made whole. There's something about hearing the word of God that is so powerful. Some of you are going to be changed today because you chose not to skip church today. There are people that skipped too tired, too sleepy, whatever. You're going to be changed because you're hearing something that's going to transform your life. Because hearing changes something, friends. Words are, how many know words are powerful? Oh, I love Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, when the Bible says this is how they're going to destroy Satan. You know what it says? It says they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the what, everybody? By the what, everybody? By the word of their testimony. You know, I know some of you, listen, I want you to get in the Bible. I think more people need to get in the word. I think they're letting the world determine and they're letting all the things around them determine their faith. I believe you need to, I need you believe you need to get in the world, but you don't have to be a brilliant theologian to overcome. Just tell your testimony. <laughs> you don't have to be a brilliant theologian to lead people to Jesus. Well, I just come to get saved. I feel like getting saved today and give my life to Jesus Christ. I don't think I'm ready to start leading. Oh, no, no. Just tell people your story. Here's my testimony. When I walked in here, this is all the sin that plagued my life, but I got desperate to touch Jesus Christ, and I found out that when he died on that cross and shed his blood, he erased all of my sins, and because I make him my Lord and Savior, I'm a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. I have a purpose and a hope in life, and I know I have a future that's set in Jesus Christ. Just tell your story. Your words, your testimony is powerful. Because the word says she thought. Can I read it to you from the King James Version? She said, for she said. Everybody say said. One translation says said. One says a thought. If I may but touch his clothes, I will be made whole. What's happening here? She's having this internal dialogue can I tell you that you have a voice talking to you and the greatest preacher is not Sam Reifkogel today? The greatest preacher is you. 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 There is this internal conversation that's going on, this internal dialogue 
that you are in control of and nobody else, not even demons. Not even Lucifer himself is in charge of it. You are in charge of it. The internal, the internal dialogue, her dialogue for 12 years is I'll never get out of this. This is just the way life is going to be. But she started hearing testimonies. And when she kept hearing testimonies, she started saying to herself, wait a minute. Wait a minute, something can change in my life. Look, friends, I'm not responsible for what happens on the outside. There's a lot of stuff I wish I had the power to change, but I can't change it. There are things that are happening to your marriage on the outside that you're not in control of. There are things that are happening in this government that you're not in control of. There are things happening in this world you have no control of, but you have control over one thing, not what happens on the outside. You have control of what's happening on the inside of you and the internal dialogue about what you choose to hear, what you choose to think, and what you choose to act upon. We have that control. You have and I have that control. So what I got to do, I got to take hold of what's happening on the inside of Sam Reifkogel, no matter what the outside says, because it said she said. You know what the Greek word says? The Greek of that word she said, literally in the Greek, it was a continuing action. So it wasn't just what she said. It literally means she kept on saying it to herself. I can't control you, but I have to control Pastor Sam. And she kept on saying to herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Her internal dialogue had been defeat, but it changed when she started hearing about Jesus Christ. Now I understand Romans 10, 17 better. So faith comes by and by hearing the word of Christ. That word hearing there in the Greek literally means hear and keep on hearing. Listen and keep on listening. And what she kept on hearing started changing what she started thinking and what she started saying. And then it got to the place that even when she was weak and she could hardly do it, she says, I am going to touch his garment. She had heard the testimonies, folks. That's what she heard. She heard the testimonies. She started hearing things that he's a blind man healer. I heard he was a dead man raiser. I heard he was a leper cleanser. I heard he walked on the water and he took the disciple Peter and raised him up. I heard he was the lily of the valley. I heard he was the fairest of ten thousands. I heard he was the bright morning star. I heard he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. I heard Isaiah said that there's one coming that will heal the sick, open the blind eyes. She just kept hearing it and 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 hearing it till it changed her internal dialogue. And she started saying, I believe and I can and I'll push through. You got to hear it. Dear Jesus, if you got more Fox News in you than you have the Word of God, something's wrong. If you got more CNN and more medical reports in you than the Word of God, something's wrong. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do like that woman. And you got to do like that woman. And you got to do like that woman. He said, I don't care what the out says. I'm going to keep listening and I'm going to keep hearing the Father. And I'm going to keep hearing. I'm going to keep hearing. I'm going to keep hearing. And I'm going to make my thoughts line up with what he said he would do. And I'm not turning loose. It changed from negative to positive, from defeat to faith, from despair to hope. It changed in that moment. So here's what I'm going to tell you about your job. Here's what I'm going to tell you about your finances. Keep testifying to yourself on the inside, even when the outside hasn't changed. 
She kept doing it, kept doing it. We charismatics and Pentecostals, we want things quick. We want it quick. Can I tell you, God is as much in the process as he is the miracle. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That the moment she started hearing, maybe, maybe you're listening to the... I'm going to take this out of miracles for a moment. Some of you are away from God because you changed the audience of your conversation. And even some right now, listen closely. I hate it. My parents made me come here today. I can't. My wife made me sit through this. My husband made me sit through this. I can't believe they went online. If we just never had the advent of online, I could just be sitting here eating my toast and drinking my coffee. Wouldn't have to do this. I could just go back to reading the news of the world. And some of us are wanting to push away from the dialogue. And in fact, you're convicted today. You're convicted. Because this is not just about miracles. This is about what Satan and sin will do to a man or a woman because he wants to destroy. But when you get desperate, when you get to the place where it's destitute, you can have your deliverance. And she reached out and touched. And Mark 5, 29 says, immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed from the terrible, she could start feeling it happen in her body. She didn't wait for feelings to occur. She kept on thinking it and saying it. She said, I'm going to keep listening to what he's done. I heard, and when I see him, I'm going to act, and it's time to act. And she said, I could feel it. And Jesus realized, it says he realized that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? So there's three kinds of people here today. There's three. Some people can just say, well, I'm going to strike out. And here's what you can't do as a believer. You can't keep getting angry. You'll go through every emotion because God put it inside of you. Anger. Even angry at some Christians who represented him. You can strike out. Or you can get to the place where you just sit out. You say, ah, yeah, I know we're going to pray for people, but I'm not going up there. I, I, I had... I had Faith healer so-and-so pray for me already. Nothing happened. You just sit out. Just live life by default. Or you can stretch out and say, wait a minute. I'm going to keep on hearing. It's starting to affect the way I think. And I'm going to stretch out and touch the hem of his garment because this is not about my miracle for me. This is something greater. This is about him. This is about him. This is about him, not about me. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. <clears throat> um, Pastor Ken Stoltz, y'all know Pastor Ken around here. He's been up here a couple times. Pastor Ken sent me, this is I mean, maybe a month ago. I don't know how long. It's been a long time. And I came across it in my emails the other day. So that takes you how long, that shows you how long it takes for me to get to my emails. <clears throat> That's not true. But he sent me something on the power of testimony. I'd like for you to hear it. And in just a moment, I'm going to send you, I'm going to let you hear a testimony of a man that I was introduced to, Dr. John Soderstrom. He's at Yale University. And while we started this journey with Sarah, I had the privilege of talking to him. 
And I'm going to share his testimony with you in just a moment. Dr. John Soderstrom. But before I do that, I want you to hear this about testimony. But she heard. She kept hearing. She kept hearing. Pastor Ken wrote me. He said, Pastor Sam, as was in the David Goliath 1 Samuel 17 encounter this morning, he said, I was reading it in my quiet time. I noticed a couple of things that made me dig deeper. What I noticed first was the detail about David's encounter with the lion and the bear. Now, I want you to listen closely to this. The second thing was that in verse 40, David enters into battle with Goliath with his sling, but also with his staff. The staff really puzzled me. Why would he want to be encumbered with his staff while trying to load up his sling with a stone? I never thought about that. It seemed that the staff would be in the way and certainly not an asset against Goliath because Goliath, so you come up with sticks because he, he said that he just saw it as a stick. Here's what I dug out. Often a shepherd like David would carve significant events into their staff to remind them of what had happened. So it is very likely that David had carved the image of a lion and a bear into the staff. It seems that he wasn't carrying a staff. He was carrying a testimony of what God had done in the past. That is why he gave testimony to Goliath about his exploits against the lion and the bear. Now, here's where my head spun a little. I discovered that in the Hebrew, the word testimony means to repeat in action or to do it again. David took his staff and recounted his exploits as a testimony, meaning that he expected God to do it again. <clears throat> Listen to this. He said, a Messianic Jewish rabbi explained it this, like this. He said, we believe that when we share about what God in the past did in the past, it releases the same power in the present. In other words, power is released to do it again. This rabbi went on to say that his congregation had been experiencing healings from simply sending other believers to the sick where they would recount healings received in the past. When they testified of their healings, power was released to do it again. So then, when we bring a testimony, we're not simply celebrating what God did. We are releasing the power for him to do it again. To do it again. So here's, here's what we're going to do in just a moment. I'm going to ask the elders and the pastors to get ready while this video is playing and there's going to be folks across the back here up front. You'll see them. They'll be positioned in just a moment. But as we play this video, I want all of you that are watching online, whether you're in a hospital, whether you're at home, a hotel, wherever you are, whether you're at a, a job, watching on your phone, I want you to, like David, to recount. If God did this, his power is released to do it again. I want those of you who are sitting, even before anybody praise for you to reach out and touch him to do it again. 
How many believe we have a miracle working Jesus that by his stripes we were healed? So would you focus your attention screen? I want you to meet someone I had the privilege of meeting, Dr. John Soderstrom from Yale University. I had um, been married all of one year. I was in graduate school at Northwestern University. And one evening, my wife and I were visiting friends. I went to walk down the steps and I fell face first onto the, the pavement. Didn't really think a whole lot about it until the next morning I went to get out of bed and I went to stand up and I fell flat on my face again. The next thing I know, I'm sitting in the offices of Dr. Ivan Chirik, the head of neurosurgery at Northwestern University Medical School. So the doctor said, just the fact that this is, that you noticed it 10 days ago and it's already uh, spreading up your left leg, this is probably a tumor that's growing very fast. There got to be this twice a day routine that started to happen where they would come by and I would have to perform certain functions. Mine were really interesting because it was always comparing my left leg to my right leg. So, and it always started with wiggle, wiggle the toes on your right foot. Now try to wiggle the toes on your left foot. Can't do it. And I remember distinctly, I was scheduled for surgery <clears throat> that was going to be first thing in the morning on the next day. I would love to tell you that I had this wonderful conversation with God. Not so pretty. I screamed at him. Why God? Why would you do this to me? I know how this turns out. Please take this away. The next morning, as is their routine, here comes the head resident and then, okay, let's go through the wiggle the toes on your right foot. And so I said, doc, I got this. You want me to do my right foot? No problem. Now you want me to do my left foot? Can't do it. And they moved. They hadn't moved in 10 days. We need to scratch surgery. We need to get back in and do a scan again. Go in, do the scans, and you can see this golf ball-sized white spot that was right on top of the, of the right side of my brain. And he goes, that is a tumor. Now I want to show you the scan we just did. Notice any difference? I go, yeah, there's no white dot. And he goes, it's gone. And I said, how'd that happen? He goes, I have no explanation, but we're not going to do surgery. There was a part of me going, everybody's going to think I'm crazy because after all, everything has to have a logical, rational explanation. I mean, I'm a scientist. That's the way it's supposed to be. But there was no tumor. It was gone. What this has all taught me is that when God performs a miracle in your life, it's not for you. It never was, it never is. God does these for a reason, because he doesn't want you to worship the miracle. He wants you to worship the giver of miracles. It was for all those families and all those lives that we were gonna touch downstream that God said, I'm gonna take this one away from you, John, but you have to fulfill your larger purpose.